handoff to Jonathan oh. Taylor. Hughes hole. He's at the 30. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown. Jonathan Taylor made a man miss the line of scrimmage and then runs it into Pater. And a one-handed INT. Are you kidding me? Kenny Moore. What a play by Naheem Hines. What is going on, Colts Nation, and welcome back to another episode of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. Cody here, Derek with you, special guest, Mr. Dave Griffiths from Colts Blue Zone podcast, part of Fox 59. Dave, thanks for taking the time, man, to come on. How are you? Doing well, Cody. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, good to be here. Absolutely, Dave. Well, man, this this offseason has been wild for the Colts. Uh, It's been wild in a lot of different ways. I mean, looking early on in what the Colts approach was to free agency and kind of how they approached this offseason. Certainly interesting with, you know, obviously Philip Rivers and Anthony Costanzo hanging it up there. So left a hole, uh, two holes that some of the biggest positions in on the team um, and in football. Uh, what, first off, what were your thoughts on both those guys deciding to kind of hang it up and, and kind of creating uh, some big needs for the Colts going into this offseason? First off, they were both surprises for sure. Um, the front office and the coaching staff were – uh, hoping at the least and expecting at the most uh, to have them both back for for another year. I know Rivers only signed a one-year deal last year, but they really did that with the sincere hope that he would come back for a second year. Um, for Costanzo, that was perhaps even more of a surprise since he signed a two-year deal last offseason. You didn't think that you'd have this, this hole right yet um, and you'd be able to get one more year out of him, maybe draft more of a developmental tackle this year, get somebody in free agency like that, but that's kind of just moved your uh, moved your timetable up so to speak and what you have to do at left tackles so obviously the quarterback is now set with Wentz but uh but the left tackle is still a gaping hole and and, and if you don't have a left tackle do you really have a quarterback you know because uh-huh. he, he's not going to feel comfortable back there he's going to be antsy he's going to be uh helter skelter and we've seen what Carson Wentz looks like when he's helter skelter we saw that last year and really even most a lot two years ago so he was not at his best when he was not well protected when he was well protected he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL a couple years ago, but we we saw what happened to the Eagles' offensive line without it. And uh, in order for the Colts, it doesn't matter what the other what everyone else is on that line. If your left tackle is questionable, we will put it nicely, then uh, then your your quarterback is still going to be in for a long day. Yeah, and like you said, with Wentz now being in town, you know, there's the. The new quarterback, another new quarterback that the Colts are going to have to get acclimated into the system now. Uh, It's pretty 50-50 based on what we've seen from uh, Colts Nation about their feelings towards Wentz. Is he actually going to be very good? Is is it this last season that we saw with the Eagles? Is that what we can expect from him going forward? A lot of people have questions. But based on who you've talked to, I mean, what's the feeling like with Wentz now in the locker room? Anyone who tells you they know what Carson Wentz is going to be this year is just lying to. Let me, let me say that first off. You, you can you can have a strong opinion one way or the other, and that's fine. But if you're Carson Wentz is going to be trash, or Carson Wentz is going to regain his MVP form, you don't know that either way. Here here's what I can tell you: 
Carson Wentz was probably the best option the Colts had this offseason. If you really wanted to get Matthew Stafford, maybe that would be better. But do you want to give up two first round picks to get him? Probably not. And I know there's things about you know, trading and acquiring contracts and J Goth and all that from so so that it, it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. The Colts would have had to give exactly that up. But the, the price tag for Stafford was so much more uh, than it was for Wentz. So so Wentz, Wentz is your guy now. Like your your other options are are, are what Cam Newton or uh, <laughs> or Alex Smith or Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, those guys. I think you know what they are. Uh, Carson Wentz. You can say that we don't know exactly what he is, and I completely get that. But his ceiling is definitely higher than those other guys' ceiling, and you can't you can't deny that. Whether you uh, are a, a Wentz apologist or a Wentz uh, hater, to be direct. Uh, there's also the, the the idea that you want to trade up in the draft and get somebody, but mm -hmm. but the more the closer you get to the draft, the more you realize just how expensive that is. Just with uh, what happened uh, last week with the 49ers and the Dolphins and the Eagles all mixing their picks around, it, it took the 49ers um, two first round picks and I what was it a third or a fourth I forget off the top of my head to move up from 12th into the top three. Uh, it, what it, it would be an astronomical price for the Colts to move from 21 all the way into the top three or four to get one of their guys. Or if they really had a guy that, they, again, if you have a specific guy you want after the top two, after Lawrence and Wilson, you better get up to number three because you don't know who else could get up to number three and take that guy instead of you. If it's Fields or if it's Lance or if it's Mac Jones, whatever it could be. So like Carson Wentz was was the best option with whatever Chris Ballard was ever going to do. He was not going to trade up into the top three or four unless he wanted to tie his entire career to one quarterback, and he was that certain. He was apparently not certain with as that certain with any of those guys. And plus, you got the history with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz, the idea that Frank Reich has gotten the best out of the quarterbacks that he's had, whether it was Andrew Luck having probably his best year as a pro in Frank Reich's first year, Jacoby Brissett, during the time that he was healthy, had a really good start to the year in 2019. And Phillip Rivers, after a very disappointing 2019, came over to the Colts with very limited offseason work and was still able to regain some of his old really good form. So Frank Reich has done wonders, I would say, with the quarterbacks he has had. So right now, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt to say if he believes in Carson Wentz, if you're Chris Ballard, you're, that should be good enough for you right now. If you're Colts fans, I understand some skepticism because of what happened with Wentz last year. But at the same time, I, I think that you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You got to say that, hey, he's done this the past couple years with whatever quarterback is there. So you can be you can be hemming and hawing a bit. But at the same time, I don't think that being too um, too against this trade would, would make too much sense just because of the prior history that Reich has over the past couple of years with quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think just another thing that Wentz offers is just some more unpredictability, right? I mean, we knew how limited Rivers was, like probably the slowest quarterback in the NFL last year, um, if we're being honest. And now you get a guy like Wentz who, you know, at least from a physical standpoint, I know people kind of freak out when you make the Andrew Luck comparisons, but from a physical standpoint, he's got a lot of those things you like that are maybe not as much, but they're pretty close in a lot of ways. Um, and that kind of leads me, you know, to kind of talking about some of the guys the Colts resigned. Speaking of, you know, different ways that you can attack and be more unpredictable, the Colts resigned Marlon Mack to a one-year deal. Um, you know, different running style than Jonathan Taylor a lot of times. You know, I was talking with Kevin Bowen a little bit earlier and, and kind of looking at the difference between those two guys. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he's just a big guy; he'll just run through guys. Whereas Marlon Mack is really patient and he really does a good job of avoiding tackles. 
Uh, first off, what was your thought on the Colts bringing back Marlon Mack? Were you surprised at all or kind of were you expecting that? What was your thought on that? Maybe, maybe a little bit leaning towards surprise. I thought that some team somewhere was going to give him more than the Colts were willing to, but this is just a, an off season where for many teams, it's just not possible. Uh, you know, so the Colts get him back on the cheap and he has a real chance to make a big payday next year. Uh, if he can do what he did, even in just a limited role, um, from when he was healthy, because it's going to have to be a limited role unless Jonathan Taylor gets hurt knock on wood, that doesn't happen. You know, if you're a Colts fan. So, so I would say I'm maybe a little bit surprised, but then when you think about it, eh, not quite as much. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts plan to use them. And something that I've said on our Colts Blue Zone podcast before, um, and being, uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, so I grew up as an Eagles fan. Um, so everybody knows that about me, um, yeah, uh, for better or for worse, you might say, but, uh, for, um, for the Eagles specifically and Carson Wentz specifically, he had his best year when the Eagles had their best running attack. Um, when the Eagles were top five in the NFL, I believe they were top three in rushing yards the year that they went to the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz was a, um, was an MVP candidate before his injury. And they had a stable of running backs as well under Frank Reich there as offensive coordinator. They had LeGarrette Blunt, They had Jay Ajay, who they traded for in the middle of the season. They had Corey Clement. And uh, I believe they had another guy as well that was kind of that was that played some kind of a role, but those were kind of the three big guys that that they used here, there, and everywhere. So you know, for the Colts, you kind of have the same thing. Uh, you have three guys. You have the the bruiser that Blunt was in uh, in Jonathan Taylor. I think Taylor has a more wide skilled set than Blunt does. I'm not making mm-hmm. again an apples to apples comparison. Sure. Uh, you you have the the receiver and Clement and Naheem Hines. I think is a better version of Corey Clement. And then Jay Ajay and um, and Marlon Mack, I think, both share some similarities as well as being good one-cut runners uh, in, in a zone system. So um, so you put all the running backs together, and again, it's it's just another piece of the puzzle that that should encourage Colts fans to to realize that adding Carson Wentz is, is a pretty good is a pretty good move if you're going to try to model the success that this Colts team takes after what has made Carson Wentz successful in the past. Yeah, and you know we've always said the success of a new quarterback in a new system. Uh, it really does help to be able to run the football effectively. You know, it, it takes a lot of pressure off of Carson. And you know, Marlon Mack's not the only guy that's been brought back. You know, there's been that's basically been a lot of the free agency period for Ballard has been re-signing his own guys, bringing T.Y. Hilton back. You know, signing tenders on. Uh, Zach Pascal and Molly Cox and getting some guys uh, brought back on the defensive side as well. And we know that Darius Leonard and Braden Smith extensions are most likely on the way here soon. At, probably. Um, have you, have you been surprised at all at the lack of moves from Ballard and just simply sticking with the team, the guys on the team that they have now? Cause I know a lot of Colts fans were, you know, I mean, as fans, you know, you hear free agency, Colts have a lot of cap. You're like, oh, you know, maybe he'll make a move or two, you know, something to spice things up. But that has just not been the case so far. Zero percent surprised, Derek. Zero okay. percent. Right. I mean, with, with with again, what you mentioned, having guys that, that are going to get big contracts in the near future in Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Darius Leonard. Um, that, that is going to eat up a lot of that salary. And I think the Colts are going to try to get one or two of those, if not all three of those done, uh, this year, to be perfectly honest, they've already shown in the past, they'd like to extend their guys early if possible with giving extensions to guys like Kenny Moore, 
or Rigoberto Sanchez uh, earlier than they needed to. So uh, they'll certainly be work to get those guys done uh, this offseason. And so I think that uh, Chris Ballard wants a little bit of flexibility in that area um, right there. So, But e even, even if you ignore all that that I said, which I believe is important, what part of Colts fans looking at Chris Ballard's history would make them think that he's going to go out and spend big now? They've had money to spend in the past, and they haven't done it. His biggest free agency move was trading a first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. And hey, that was great, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. To see DeForest in the middle of that defensive line, that was huge. Um, he's one of the three most important piece, pieces to the type of defense the Colts want to run. Your three technique, your weak side linebacker, and your nickel corner. And the Colts have those three guys in DeForest, in Darius, and in Kenny Moore right now. But my point is... Do you guys know who the one free agent in Chris Ballard's tenure that he gave the most money to, the most dollar amount in free agency to bring in uh, to the Colts? Who is it? Do you know? I, I think I know, but I want to see if Derek knows. Is it? <laughs> I'll take a stab at it. Is it Jabal Sheard? That's a good that guess, Jabal? but no, it is not. Uh and I'm going to go, a, uh, go Jonathan Hankins. I think it's Jonathan Hankins. You're correct. Jonathan I Hankins was name. given a three-year, $27 million deal. And Philip Rivers was close last year. He got a $25 million deal, you know, one year, 25. Um, Sheard, I believe, got around 20. It was like 18 to 20, something like that. Uh, Danico Autry, I think, got 17. So those are kind of your big free agent acquisitions during, during Chris Ballard's time. And Jonathan Hankins was gone after one year because he wasn't the the best fit for the the what they wanted to do uh, in the future. So, and I, I think Jonathan Hankins had a fairly good year, honestly, with the Colts. The one year he was here, it was just they wanted to go in a different direction. They let him go, and they parted ways. So, so like I said, it's just not in Chris Ballard's mo to go out and spend big in free agency. They want to grow their own guys. They want to have homegrown talent, extend the players they have grow the culture in the locker room. And if they ever go outside for big expenditures, it's going to have to be a significant, there's going to have to be a big significant reason why, like there was for DeForest Buckner last year, even though it wasn't technically a free agency signing, it was a trade like to, to, to just to stray away from his strategy. It, there's going to be unique circumstances. And DeForest Buckner was a situation with unique circumstances, being an all-pro level guy who you can get for a first-round pick. 13th overall is not a low pick. Let me tell you, that's a high pick. It's tough to get rid of it, but when you can bring in a DeForest Buckner, you do it in a second. And he's been a guy that's had been as good in the locker room as he is on the field. I say that guessing, honestly, a little bit because I haven't been in the locker room for a year right now because of COVID. But nevertheless, he certainly seems that way with how his teammates describe him with everything. So, so, so again, just to echo, Chris Ballard is not going to be the guy that spends big in free agency. It's just never going to happen. Never going to happen with the Colts, and especially now that they have something built. His first year, they got so many guys. I don't know, 10, 15 guys in free agency just because there was a total rebuild. The defense in particular, they needed to just uh, burn it down and start afresh. And now that they have something in place, they're going to be fitting holes here and there, like there was a defensive tackle or the nose, uh, the nose guard, uh, the, the three technique, the defensive tackle, excuse me. So... Um, so yeah, that, it, so it, in short, Derek, it didn't surprise me, but, but that's the long answer that there, there's a lot of reasoning that goes in behind it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And speaking of some of the guys, the Colts re-signed, uh, who in your mind do you think was the biggest and most pivotal re-sign for the Colts this off season? That's a good question. It's either Xavier Rhodes or T.Y. Hilton. Um, undoubtedly, 
And I, I probably I probably lean toward TY slightly because <clears throat> the wide receivers just over the past couple of years have been dinged up. It, it it keeps happening. And as much as optimistic as Colts fans can be about Michael Pittman Jr., especially, and Paris Campbell as well, they're not a proven commodity. They're just not. And could Paris Campbell, I mean, excuse me, could Michael Pittman Jr. be a number one receiver down the road? That's certainly what they hope when T.Y. finally does decide to hang up his cleats and be done. Um, but but he's not there now. And I think another year with T.Y. can help. Just like T.Y. had some years with Reggie Wayne. He had like, what, three, four years with Reggie probably before uh, before he retired. And I think that would be great for Michael Pittman to have. And and eventually, T.Y. took over the mantle as number one receiver, even when Reggie Wayne was really still in the building. And that could very well happen with Michael Pittman Jr. It could very well happen this year. But you just can't rely on it. And if if you want Carson Wentz to be at his best, you need a good group of talent around him. And T.Y.'s capabilities fit Carson's perfectly, just in the way that they fit Andrew Lux perfectly. And that's why T.Y. today, when we were talking to him, said that he thought that Carson Wentz had Andrew Luck type capabilities or characteristics, not completely comparing the two. T.Y. wasn't doing that, but he was just saying that like Andrew, Carson can get out of the pocket and extend plays, which is something that Jacoby Brissett could do when he was healthy. And T.Y. Hilton, I believe, had five touchdowns in the first five weeks of 2019. It was either four or five when Jacoby Brissett was healthy before that injury in Pittsburgh. And of course, we know what T.Y. did when Andrew was healthy. And Philip Rivers, like you guys said earlier, is just a statue. He can't. He was three steps, and he wanted to get it out, 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 out. Now, um, that's not how Carson Wentz operates. He can break a tackle. Um, Jacoby Brissett did that at an elite level. It's one of the very few things I thought that he did at an elite level was getting shaking off a defender, and then looking downfield and finding someone. Did that really well with Ty when he was healthy. Again, if Carson Wentz stays healthy, which certainly isn't if, Ty Hilton could be in for a resurgent type of year because of the type of quarterback that he has throwing him the ball. Now on the other side of the ball, like I said, Xavier Rhodes, you could certainly make the argument that he is, he is as important as TY, if not more. So like I said, I kind of lean TY um, for the reasons that I outlined, but behind Xavier, like the cornerback role is pretty thin. It is probably even thinner than wide out. Um, Rock, you seen, we're still waiting for him to, to take the steps that you expect a second round pick, a high second round pick to make. You get Marvell tell back after he, um, uh, decided to opt out last year. I'd imagine they try to get somebody else as well. Another corner in the draft, uh, this year to try to you know, shore up their, um, their depth a bit. Uh, you got Isaiah Rogers who you drafted last year. He's more of a special teams guy as well. So, um, so yeah, like either of those two guys, I th I think you can make a very good argument for both. But just because you, you want, I, I think I lean Ty because you want to give Carson Wentz the best possible chance to succeed, and I think Ty does that. Yep, and so I mean we're less than a month away from the draft now. It's getting really, really close, and obviously fans are all up in the comments on who should the Colts take first, or even if they decide to stay in the first round because we've. We know Ballard's history. He definitely loves to trade back and get more picks because that's just what he does. And especially this year with, I believe this year, this is the least amount of picks that he has to work with since he's taken over for the Colts. 
So it would seem very likely and very Chris Ballard-like to move back and get a couple more to try and uh, sure up some depth. If you had, if you had the pick, if you, if it was your decision, what, what position of need would you say the Colts should choose with that first pick in the draft this year? Left tackle, and it's not even close. If you okay. have the guy that you think that you think is your guy, uh, you take him right there. And, and I've been a proponent again on our podcast uh, of saying if you if there's a guy that you think needs some work, then you still take him there. And maybe you sign a guy like an uh, Alejandro Villanueva or Jason Peters to a one-year deal and try to groom him for a year. Um, right now, how the Colts are set up, like they have so much money that is devoted to their offensive line. Ryan Kelly was one of the highest paid centers in the NFL. Quentin Nelson's about to be paid with the highest contract of an offensive lineman probably in NFL history. Braden Smith is going to be one of the highest paid right tackles in the NFL. You can only pour so much money into one specific position. And I know how important the trenches are to Chris Ballard. But if you get a left tackle on a rookie contract for five years, if you're in the first round, you get that extra fifth year if you're the team too. That's huge, huge. So you can spend money elsewhere. You can spend money on a edge rusher that you need. You can spend money on a cornerback that you might need or whatever it might be. Uh, extending guys that you already have, a Darius Leonard, extending Bobby Okariki eventually. That's hopefully something that the Colts have in their plans because obviously you let Anthony Walker Jr. walk. That means that you think Bobby Okariki's the guy for now and for into the future. So the, the problem with the Colts and wanting to be wanting to get a left tackle in the draft is you're down at 21. And although this is a good year for tackles, 21 isn't that high. And there's a bunch of teams right in front of you that would really like a tackle. At 17, the Raiders, they blew up their entire offensive line this offseason. They could use a tackle. The Dolphins could use a tackle to protect Tua. Washington football team could use a tackle. Chicago Bears could use a tackle. I mean, that's those are the four teams right before the Colts. 17, 18, 19, 20, and then finally you get to the Colts at 21. And you guys have seen drafts in the past. When, when one, like, they seem to go in bunches every year, whether it's wide receivers, when you have a really strong wide receiver class, you get like three of them taken in a row or three of them taken in four picks. And that's the spot right there with the Colts in the, the fifth team right there that could, that could start or really have a run on tackles. You're going to have other guys go higher in the draft. Like, uh, like Sewell out of, um, out of Oregon will certainly be higher, but, but when, if they fall down there, that's the time that you're going to see a couple guys taken right in a row off the board. And if the guy or the guys that Chris Bauer likes are gone, then I think the chance is there for him to trade down out of the first round, try to restock some picks, get the third round pick back that he dealt this year, maybe even work out toward getting a second round pick back if it's possible. Um, but it's like I said, I, I really think it's left tackle. You could use help at edge rush. Absolutely. You can. And as our Mike Chapel says, like they've been chasing edge rushers since they whiffed on Jerry Hughes in the draft um, and, and the whiff on Jerry Hughes. He went on to have a great career elsewhere, but he, he was a whiff here, undeniably, unmistakably. So they've been trying to get someone else. They tried to get Bjorn Werner. And I worked in Tallahassee when Bjorn Werner was at Florida State and just tearing up ACC defenses. So <laughs> I, I a lot of people uh, will, will rip him over that pick. I will never rip the Colts over taking Bjorn Werner, but they did try to fit a square peg into a round hole, and he had injuries. So that that's a discussion for another time. I, I'm rabbit trailing here, but uh, <laughs> I think they have other guys at defensive end. They still can hope that Kamoko Ture can take a step forward. 
regain his early 2019 form. Uh, Taekwon Lewis, they still like as a second round pick. Ben Banigou, I don't know what they think about Ben Banigou, to be honest, if he didn't play or wasn't even active for most of last year. That was just a shot, should have been a shot across the bow, if nothing else, to him. But they at least have some guys that they like there. At tackle, you don't have anybody that, that you really like, I don't think. I, I thought Will Holden came in and did okay last year, but I, do you want to go into a season when Will Holden's your starting left tackle? I really don't think so. Right. Cody, before you go, I want to say thank you, Dave. I appreciate that argument. I've been trying to tell Colts Nation that for the last two months, and they continue to just tra trash me for saying that that's, that's the reason why we should go with a left tackle first round. I've said the same thing. You have guys at defensive end. At the beginning of the at this year, we had we had some veteran guys. They might not have been great, but they were good enough that it was at least respectable. Right now, you don't have an option at left tackle unless you move somebody over to that spot. So and, yeah, and, and there's a difference between defensive line and offensive line in the sense that if you like I said earlier, if you don't have a left tackle, you don't have a reliable quarterback. At on defensive line, you can get by without the best edge rush if you have a great interior rush. And the Colts do, because they have DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart, who had a career year last year right now, too. You would prefer the edge rush. Absolutely. You want that guy off the edge. I, I, undoubtedly. But if if anybody, if, I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you probably watched the Super Bowl last year. You saw what the best quarterback in the world could do with no tackles. And to be fair, he had zero tackles, not left or the right. <clears throat> but he was, he was ran, run around rampant. And couldn't do anything uh, besides throw a ball while he was completely sideways in the air. And I still don't know how he did that. But <laughs> it, it, he, he did everything he could to try to save that team. And he, he still couldn't do it because he had no protection for himself. Hmm. And it, it, if, if you have no left tackle, you're going to get hit from the backside. And then he's gone. Who, then, then what happens? Is, is Jacob Eason going to come in? And I'm sure a lot of Colts fans, well, a lot of Colts fans, a lot of dumb Colts fans would love to see Jacob Eason come in. <laughs> Thank for, you. Uh, oh, you're welcome. For, you for, you yeah. just stirred the pot. Anyone I'm sure that I did. watches this, I'm I promise sure I you did. they are going to hate you. And I can't wait for that one. I can't and wait. Because, like, <laughs> here's the deal. Uh, like, Jacob Eason could be okay, uh, but 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 for the love, man, are, are you kidding me? Do you want Jacob Eason? Do you want to rely on Jacob Eason? Like, I still think the Colts need to go out and get a veteran backup quarterback because if Carson Wentz goes out sometime in this year, week 14, week 15, and you're in the middle of a wild card race, are you really comfortable having Jacob Eason come in? You say you need to win two games here over the next three down the stretch, or would you much rather have somebody else who has some experience in the NFL, like the Eagles signed Joe Flacco? And I know nobody loves, nobody loves Joe Flacco as your backup. But I would feel better. I would feel more comfortable with a guy with experience coming in at that point of the season to lead you and say, hey, you need to win a game or two down the stretch for us to have a chance. Now, I, I know that that is controversial. I know it. But uh, ever, everybody loves the backup quarterback. He, he's, the most, he's the most popular guy in any town besides the backup kicker. Those two. And then they finally get to play, and you realize why they are where they are. There are exceptions to that, like Nick Foles, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. But mostly that's the rule. There's a reason those guys are backups. And since Jacob Eason barely had an offseason last year, and who knows about this year? I know the players really want to have a virtual offseason again. The owners want it back to normal. The players do not. So we'll see where that goes over the next couple of weeks or so. If it's another virtual offseason, then Jacob Eason will have zero offseasons in his two seasons with the Colts. And you cannot rely on Jacob Eason if that's the case. And really, even if he has one offseason, I don't think you can want to rely on him to be your guy 
to come in and win a game when he is needed if Carson Wentz got knocked out in a game that you're in a wild card race with several other teams. And Ballard has specifically said uh, on his presser before that he said that Eason's still a year away from what we actually think he can be. I mean, it's like Colts fans just ignored that statement and we're just like, nah, just go. Let's just see what Eason's got. Like your own GM just told you he's not ready yet. So why would you want to throw him out there? Mm, yeah, for sure. All <laughs> right, know. last question I have for you here. What do you think could potentially be? We saw last year with Jonathan Taylor pick, shocked probably about everybody. What do you think potentially could be a move, maybe not to that degree of shocking, but a position that you think maybe the Colts could take a little bit earlier than people are thinking about or talking about? That's a good question. Um, let's see. I've seen some people project the Colts to take uh, that safety out of TCU in the first round. I just don't think that's possible. I think they're pretty set there, especially at starter. They could take a safety in the first couple rounds just to kind of shore up some depth there, but they did sign the guy out of Pittsburgh just today yeah. um, to try to do that, try to fill the Tavon Wilson mold. So so, so maybe not safety. Um, uh, I don't think they're going to take a running back. If they took a running back, that would really surprise me. <laughs> oh, my word. I they, yeah, I know, I know, right? But it, I, I think they should take a tight end. So if you mm-hmm. see a tight end in the second round, that might raise some eyebrows. But at the same time, um, I think you really want a playmaking tight end. And they've had, they've tried to have that the past couple of years. I mean, they had Trey Burton, who had a really nice camp last year and then just didn't really translate into the regular season as much. They had Eric Ebron before that. Um, and you've always wanted alongside Jack Doyle, a guy who can take the, uh, a route right up the seam and try to run behind a linebacker. And that's not what Jack does. Jack will run in front of the linebacker and catch the ball and fall down for a nice six yard gain on third and five. And you love it. That, that's what Jack Doyle does. And he's really good at it. And he's a really good blocker as well. So I'm not trying to diss Jack Doyle here by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know if you're completely comfortable going into the season with Mo Alley Cox as that guy that you can rely on a bit. So maybe you do have Mo Alley as, as your number one when the season goes, when you start the season. But then if you draft a guy in the second round that you want him to be kind of more the guy, more the pass catching guy by the end of the season, that's not entirely out of the picture. So like, I, I don't think that's entirely too much of a sleeper pick to say, Oh, tight end, but because, because it does appear to be a need that the Colts have, but I, I still think that some people might not expect them to take it quite that high. They're, they're thinking left tackle. They're thinking edge rusher right now. If you're, if you're a Colts fan or if you're a, um, a, a writer trying to project where the Colts might go. So if tight end creeps into there in the second round, it would not surprise me. Although it might be something that seems to stir the pot a little bit. What about linebacker? I've heard some people mention that, like, obviously it's not a pressing issue by any stretch, but you know, behind Bobby Okariki and Darius Leonard, there's a lot of unprovenness. You know, you kind of mentioned that with the wide receiver group and other guys like, you know, it's it's great at the top end. But outside of that, not a lot of great expertise behind it. So, you know, is that something they could potentially look into doing maybe third or fourth round? Yeah, I don't think that's out of the question. I think we're going to see a lot of EJ speed this year and kind of take the role that uh, Bobby Okariki had, at least at the start of the year, to see what he's capable of. Um, So. So uh, do I think they're done at linebacker? No, I, I do think they do take a linebacker uh, in, in this draft at some point. Um, and that would be uh, probably the third or fourth round, Derek, is a good guess for for when he might uh, they might come off the board. So um, 
I'm I personally I I since I went to Syracuse University, I'm contractually obligated to tell you I went to Syracuse. If you know people from from this school, but so I love Zaire Franklin. He's my guy. He's my boy. Uh, um. So I I think I do think that Zaire is a good good really good linebacker and uh, in in a limited role. Don't don't construe this to say that I think he should start over Bobby Okariki or anything like that. But he's a good, reliable linebacker and is a guy who's very well respected in that locker room, who's been a good special teams player for them for a couple years. But at the same time, like you get to the point where you have to re-sign him to a new contract in a year or two. And do I really think the Colts want to spend money on him when you're trying to fill, uh, trying to sign other guys? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they have enough to do that. But if not, then you have another rookie that you might pick in this year's draft to try to groom him excuse me, into that same role. So, so yeah, I do. I definitely think linebacker is somewhere the Colts will go, but that would be something that surprises me if they took a linebacker higher in the first or the second round, something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Dave, for coming on, man. Before I let you go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on you know, social media, they can find the podcast and all that good stuff. Sure. The Colts Blue Zone podcast, we tape every Thursday, pretty much every Thursday. Sometimes we shift it up to Wednesday every week. It's uh, myself, Mike Chappell, who's covered the Colts since they stepped off the Mayflower vans back in 1984, uh, working for several different newspapers, several different TV stations doing it. Mike's analysis is fantastic. We love having him here with us. And also Joe Hopkins, uh, who's kind of the, the ringleader of this whole thing for us and is a, is a draft nerd and a combine nerd and is very proud of it. And I, I give him, give him grief for it, but I'm, I'm kind of there at the same time as him. Not, not quite to the level as Joe. Joe really dives in and gets into the nitty gritty. So I appreciate everything, everything that he does for us for sure. Um, and you can find us pretty much everywhere. Podcasts are, uh, are available. Um, iTunes, Google play, Stitcher, um, I encourage you to subscribe as I would encourage you to describe to, to our listeners, subscribe, eh, subscribe, get it out of your mouth <laughs> to you guys, uh, as well. Get us delivered, uh, wherever, whatever it drops. So you can follow me on Twitter at Dave G underscore sports. Our Colts blue zone podcast has a Twitter too at Colts blue zone. Difficult to remember. I know, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it's for, for me, you're going to get a lot more than Colts, obviously working at uh, Fox 59 and CBS four here in Indianapolis. It's going to be uh, a lot of IndyCar. It's going to be a lot of high school stuff. It's going to be Pacers. It's going to be IU Purdue and all that jazz, but, but Colts are certainly uh, certainly top priority. And whenever big news happens that, that, that kicks everything else out, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I I love doing the podcast with, with the guys and we we are really proud of the work we've we've done. We really enjoy it. So uh would certainly appreciate uh any more downloads and subscribes if they are out there. Absolutely. Right. Well, thanks so much man for coming on and you have a good one. Thanks man. You guys too.